Beyond, and hello everyone. My name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Beyond, episode 604, IGN's weekly PlayStation show where we occasionally talk about PlayStation games. I'm joined this week by Tom Ricardo Marx. Have I guessed that before? Probably, but Probably. no, it's still wrong. All right. that'd, be, that'd be a weird one. Hello. Uh, hello. <laughs> Also joined by Lucy O'Brien. Hello. Hello, Lucy. Glad to have you here. Yes, it is good to be here. We're also joined. What does the O stand for? Oh. Ophelia. Okay, cool. I was going to say original. I think it's (laughs) O'Ricardo. O'Ricardo? And we're also joined by Brian Altona. Hi, good to see you guys. I missed this. Brian. Thanks for having me. You've been gone for uh, quite a while. A lot, like a a month? Yeah. (laughs) Where where have you been? Tell us of your world travel. I went to Belgium to shoot an episode of Fast Travel, which is our travel show here at IGN. You should watch it. It's our... This will be our eighth episode. Uh, it's basically a travel show for nerds and gamers and geeks or whatever weird derogatory terms we assign ourselves for enjoying things finer <laughs> nature, such as retro game stores and ah, comic book yes. shops. Uh, and then I went to Gamescom, which many of you saw was a long and grueling show <laughs> with many farts. And then I went to Mexico for vacation, which was nothing like the other things. Did you find any game stores there? None. No. No. No video game references whatsoever at all. It was kind of nuts. It was good, though. They got to get their act together. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Come on, guys. But we're glad to have you back. Good to. Ha- it's good to be back. And uh, Lucy, you're back. I am. I did not do as much traveling as Brian, but I was in among all the farts at Gamescom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we'll talk a bit about what you guys saw and did at Gamescom. And then, of course, Tom, you've just you've been here since the beginning of time. You haven't left, but you have been reviewing Monster Hunter World Iceborne. I did do that, which for we'll get as to. long as you, for longer than you've been gone. <laughs> yeah, you played it a feels lot like of that. you've That's been true. working on that review for since I was born. Like I, yeah. I came into the world, and it's like you were sitting there reviewing that game. Well, it's because I did, and I talked about this on the show, but I spent three weeks replaying the game on PlayStation 4 because I had like 100 hours on PC and I put 70-something hours in on PlayStation 4 before I started playing the Iceborne for review. Oh, my God. Yeah. How many I, hours did you put in Iceborne, would you say? Uh, At least that many. Okay. It's probably around there by the time I like reviewed it, but I'm definitely not like done playing so it. So you're not ago. that familiar with the game? No, you know, okay. it's gotcha. surface level stuff. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair enough, understandable. Uh, we'll get to your Iceborne impressions in a bit and how your review went and all that. Uh, for reference, if anyone's wondering as well, uh, Max is still out. He's on vacation right now. He'll be back eventually. And as he started a new segment last time he was on, we'll find out what's in his pockets when he returns. Uh, that is a real segment that Max began and then forgot about. And then we got on air. And Max was like, uh, headphones. What was in his pocket? Like a live bird? <laughs> Just headphones. headphones. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He he meant to do something and then forgot to put something funny in his pocket. So he had headphones. My Calipica. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll find out maybe what else is in some of our pockets. But in addition to that, we're going to be taking a trophy test a little later uh, until dawn. So look forward to that. Uh, but first, let's dive into News Crunch. <laughs> A lot to talk about this week on News Crunch. The first thing I want to talk about, relatively within the time that it still is relevant, but, you know, not as often as it could be. Uh, We usually miss the free PlayStation Plus games per month. They usually get announced the day after we record. I think that was the case this year. But uh, they go live today as we're recording, so the day before this goes up. Uh, The games for September are Batman Arkham Knight and Darksiders 3. Cool. Good month. 
which is a pretty reasonable month. Uh, 2015 is when Batman Arkham Knight came out, whereas Darksiders 3 actually came out last year. Um, there's a new Darksiders coming out this year, but it's not a full, like, proper numbered title. So if you missed out on the third entry, this is a really good excuse to go back. And, of course, if you missed out on all the fun of the Batmobile in Batman Arkham Knight. That was the only drag. That's the and only like, like, I, I still yeah. I look back on that game, and I'm like, wow, that has such, like, so many great moments in that game, but then it was just so bogged down by all the Batmobile stuff. But I think it was, for me, especially going back, and I'm sure Barrett Courtney, if he's listening, will tweet at us all about it, but um, I think there's a lot more that's great to Arkham Knight that we don't talk about it's true. because everyone was so much the Batmobile. But like, yeah. true. the Joker-Batman relationship in that game that I don't want to spoil for anyone who might be jumping into it with PlayStation Plus, is so good in that game and it's, it's so, so it's so organic it's done so organically yeah. mm-hmm. i love that part of it it's like you feel like you are sort of experiencing this world and telling your own story and then suddenly the joker is in a place that you just sort of never expected to see him yeah it's very cool it's also like that's a game that i think everybody was critical of at the time for several reasons one because we had gotten a like pretty awesome Batman game every few years. And this one came along and just moved the needle in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has been so damn long since we've had like a actual big Batman game like that, that maybe it is worth revisiting something that you didn't really like to begin with. The other thing people didn't like was that it cost $60 and now it won't because it's on PlayStation plus. So remove the money of the, Arkham Origins for the 60 bucks, or were people actually mad about the price then? No, I mean, just that it costs a lot of money to be disappointed. Oh, okay. That, which it yeah. doesn't on PlayStation Plus. Yes. That no, should be true. the tagline. <laughs> Fair point there, yes. You know yeah. what? The only reason that I remember the Batmobile stuff so vividly is because there was one particular puzzle, and I forget. The winch in the tunnel on the one you hang up. So, yeah, of I course. I think that I, 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 think that, like, I, I hate like, that puzzle. I think I was almost... Like, and I know this is a terrible thing to say. I'm an adult woman. I should know better. But I think I was so frustrated at that part. I was like near tears. And I had to like, <laughs> yeah. walk away. I was just like, it's like I was just well, swearing. I was like slamming. I was like. <laughs> yeah, you had to basically bring the car. This is not a spoiler because it's too stupid to be one. Um, <laughs> you basically had to bring your Batmobile up the wall of like a giant toilet and using the winch by pulling it up this wall and it just kept getting stuck on things. And it was just like, it was such a weird idea. It was also the same summer that we were yank, yanking on trees uh, in Uncharted 4 with the winch, I believe. Yeah. Um, so That's it was a weird summer. Shortly after, yeah. The, um, weird year for winches. We gave Arkham Knight a 9.2, so obviously there is still a lot to love there. Oh, I think for yeah. me, my biggest problem, I weirdly don't remember that aspect, but I just remember one specific, or maybe there were several, I think there were several, where just like the Batmobile is, it's a stealth action sequence like yes. he kept having to stealth around other cars with the batmobile and it's like yeah. these are giant moving vehicles and yet you have to be quiet we also we we constantly have that conversation about batman and does he kill does he not kill this game you know he obviously doesn't kill because he's batman but he destroys everything with his car he, yes and he shoots bullets that are apparently rubber but also wreck stuff yep um, hits people, but they, I guess they're okay. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that. That's, so. that's like the real problem when it comes to superhero games where it's like, they're not killing, but, uh, Lucy and I will talk about this a little later. We played Marvel's Avengers and it just severely brain damage. Yeah. The, the Hulk is just smashing men into the concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Like Thor's hammer pushes a man's chest inward as he gets slammed into a car. Like they're dead. 
Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, I, appreciated, I, I appreciated Spider-Man, right? Where, yeah, I was just about yeah. to say. Kick people off buildings, and, and there's that web. little like web that comes yep. and saves yep. them. Yeah. Even though, again, you're slamming like manhole covers into people's oh. heads also. <laughs> they, yes. But you know, whatever. Their lives are not worth living balls. anymore. Yeah. Like, no life for like <laughs> Mr. Grunt, who's yeah. just no. taking a... If a manhole cover to the face. If a teenager drop kicks you from the top of the Empire State Building, you wouldn't be fine. <laughs> like it would be a it would be a bad day. Yeah. I would I would love if some developer out there made a game that was it was just a quick game from the perspective of a henchman and a superhero game. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like in the skate games where you see how much destruction happens to your body, but basically how badly you get beaten up and how yeah. you can survive until Well, because like usually they get beat up the same way whether they're like a boss with like a gun or they're a guy that's like hey, I guess I Yes, I'll rob the grocery store. (laughs) I have a metal rod. That's it. But there's this like a guy standing there in the park with a red jumper. It's like, oh, I better (laughs) better destroy his life. (laughs) Better shit on his day now. This is a little bit tangential, but it the the whole do superheroes kill thing is so funny to me, especially in like the MCU, where three seasons of Daredevil and two seasons of Jessica Jones on the Netflix shows were all about like, we can't kill people. We can't kill people. Yep. Tony Stark just has a laser gun. Like that's just what he uses. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. N- none of the MCU heroes in the movies care about killing people. And mm-hmm. all they talk about in the TV shows. There's one. And again, this is a, then we'll get off the tangent. Um, <laughs> Age of Ultron actually got a lot of flack for the Sokovia thing. Oh yeah. Because they saved everyone, but they're still like, but still that much of the earth coming back down would cause so much murder. <laughs> and so in the yeah. opening of civil war, there's the opening scene where it's like cap and Scarlet Witch and all these people saving from a building and cap very specifically, like they go, down zoom in on him and he's like save all the people in that building and that was like very specifically to be like see they're not murdering they care there's also all the people that <laughs> return the people that return from thanos's snap in a place where like then in five years they built a building and they got clipped into like a wall like a bethesda game like, or like yeah, it's a lot of bad up, deaths yeah. that happen people there. who are like mid-flight and then suddenly they come back and the plane is gone and they're and they're sitting in there holding an the ipad air. yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, superhero! All I'm saying is, yeah, Batmobile can shoot people, and I'm like not gonna fault it. That's true. Anyway, speaking of games where someone improportionally kills a lot of people, wanted to briefly mention also Uncharted Two, Uncharted Three, and The Last of Us uh, multiplayer servers are being shut down on the PS3 as of today, as we're recording. So by the time you're listening to this, those are down. Um, Obviously. Uh, Uncharted on PS4 and The Last yep. of Us Remastered on PS4 still have multiplayer servers. I believe they're actually going through a update patch to be able to, one, hopefully bring in a lot of new people that are coming on and be able to support that. Uh, but those servers on PS3 are shutting down. So if you've enjoyed the multiplayer servers, I actually played a lot of Uncharted 2 and Uncharted 3 multiplayer back in the day. Uh, and a bit of The Last of Us, which is Way better than you would expect The Last of Us the multiplayer The Last of Us to be. multiplayer was surprisingly good. Yeah. It was really fun. And it still has a really dedicated audience. Yeah. Like they, because there are like major, there are only like 18 trophies in that game and two of them are like for beating the campaigns of the multiplayer, which take yep. like dozens of hours. <laughs> so people are like there to help people getting into it to be able to get through all that. So it's a really cool community that still exists there. So if you are a player of those games on PS3, there is still a community for you there on the PS4. I, but, really, uh, I really appreciate the like, Trophy Sherpas out there. <laughs> yeah, I love it as a thing. Helping people decades later get over the mountaintop. It's, it's really beautiful. It ties in really with kind of how the Monster Hunter community seems to be with these new games. But we'll 
Huh? We'll get there later. Yeah. Casey, Casey just helps people. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Casey, sure. Casey helps sure. people. Uh, did want to bring up, though, uh, games that you will be able to play again soon. Uh, Aladdin and Lion King, the classic uh, side-scrolling games, are coming back in a collection that is coming, I believe, this October for PS4 as well as Xbox and Switch, but of course we won't talk about those. Um, the collection includes multiple versions of each game, so oh. I to read those out. Yeah. I, I find I this so that. weird because I grew up, um, with the, well, it was called the Mega Drive in New, <clears throat> New Zealand, but, you know, the Genesis versions. Um, uh, <laughs> why is that amusing? Um, it was just the, like, the, the cough, I think, gave it a little bit of shade that maybe I think you weren't intending. Yeah, it wasn't Yeah, like when people were like, <laughs> yeah, I was hanging out with my, my friend. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> we had the <clears throat> Mega Drive. Yeah. Um, and so I only play the, the, the Mega Drive versions. I never okay. played the SNES versions, and I'm really interested as to this grab bag of versions that they've chosen for this particular re-release. Yeah. Yeah, so there's a group uh, of, I'm writing down a curse that I have to bleep out, don't worry about it. Oh, sorry. Uh, no, I, I thought I bleeped it with my hand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll listen back to the audio, we'll find out. Anyway, uh, the list of versions that are included for Aladdin, it's the Sega Genesis version, the Game Boy version and the Super Game Boy version, something called the new Aladdin Final Cut, which we don't really know what that adds, but there's a new sort of like deluxe edition of it, as well as the Aladdin Trade Show demo, which is a demo version of the game that has not been publicly available since 1993. So not the Super Nintendo version. Not the Super Nintendo version. But, which, <laughs> but a demo they had at like CES 40 years ago. Uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. The That's S so weird. The SNES version as Sam Claiborne, who wrote the story for us, because who else should have written this on staff but <laughs> Sam, uh, noted that uh, also has the distinction of being designed by Resident Evil creator Shinji Mikami, or is that the Genesis version? Ooh, probably the Genesis version. I'm going to look that up in a second. One. But anyway, other than that, the Lion King will also get the Sega Genesis version, the SNES version, and the Game Boy version, which also includes the Super Game Boy version. Oh, cool. So um, that That's a very hard game, by the way. Oh, yeah. Aladdin. Lion King? Yeah. Lion King was oh, rough. What was that well, one where you were jumping off a waterfall? I can't... Oh, that one... I, Almost cursed again. I hate that level. There's the one, I can't wait to be king. We have the to jump drafts. on the animals. The giraffe's Yeah, heads. the giraffe's It's so just hard. that weird, like, really finicky precision of, like, back in the 90s where platformers were like, okay, you kind of have to go back and then forward yep. in, in midair. Yeah. It's like, click, click. Well, Like, it's not one smooth jump. Simba had, like, a weird, like, rhythm to, because he's got four legs, which is mm -hmm. weird for platformers. Yeah. Um, and like the animals in the game or the, that help you in the movie do not help you in the game. Like when you jump on an animal's head in the movie, he's just like, oh, yeah, keep doing your song. Oh, you're the, and in you're the game, the, they're just soon like, to be king. Yeah. <laughs> the in the game, game they're just like, I'm going to put my head down and you're going to die. <laughs> uh, well, the nice thing is, and I mentioned this on MDC too, but uh, it's going to have rewind and safe states. Yeah. So Good. in that terrible, terrible level, we'll probably significantly easier to get through as you save scum your way past the monkeys. But yeah. I mean, let's be, let's be fair. Like most of the people, like myself, because I immediately pre-ordered this, most of the people who are buying these games are doing it for nostalgia reasons, not because they want to put themselves through that punishing, like, no save experience. Right. Again. I mean, I might just be speaking for myself, but like for me, I just want to like go back and experience the levels and hear the like little 16-bit music and really enjoy that and not have to like, be weeping because yeah. I've grown soft in my old age. No, same here. You'll I remember, cry at Batman Arkham Knight. But this is not a, the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is an interesting collection because it's like it's a fraction of sort of the iconic classic Capcom Disney games. And we've gotten we got a couple in the Disney Afternoon collection. So they're sort of like they're eventually getting them all out there, but just in in like weird groups. Yeah. But I'm okay with that as long as they get re-released. 
And yeah, as Tom mentioned, there's a few new features. Uh, they call the save state thing the interactive game viewer as well, where you can basically watch the game and then pause at certain areas and just jump into it. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that, uh, updated visuals that you can play it as it was originally built and all of that. So yeah, a lot there if you've never played those games. Uh, as we've mentioned, good luck with the difficulty. Of When's that, that out? Uh, that is out in October. I believe there is an exact release date, Sweet. but let me find that. Vamping for time. That's okay. Everything's good. No, nope, it's take, too o- late October's now. good enough for me. I'm going to find it for October 29th. You're doing mm-hmm. fine. For $29.99. Oh, perfect. There you go. Moving on from that, I uh, wanted to bring up a story last week, but uh, a lot has happened in the last week or so, and that includes Telltale sort of returning. Weird. Yeah, so this is a weird one where Telltale Games... As a company, the name is being revived, but the company itself and all the employees that were working there are not necessarily coming back together. Um, the new Telltale Games is being run by Jamie Ottilie, uh, I believe that's how you say it, and Brian Waddle. Um, Ottilie was the founder and CEO of Galaxy Pest Control, which worked with such licensed properties as Duck Dynasty and Power Rangers, while Waddle had previously ran sales and marketing for the Havoc game engine. Uh, they confirmed that, quote, some workers from the original Telltale will be offered freelance roles with full-time positions possible in the future, um, but that is not necessarily indicative that the whole creative team will come back of yeah. any of these games. Um and in terms of licenses that they may have access to, that really depends on which companies have allowed them to renew those licenses and which have not. Obviously, something like Minecraft reverted back to Microsoft um, and things of that nature. It seems, though, they may still be able to retain the rights to The Wolf Among Us um, among some of their things, such as original Telltale games like Puzzle Agent. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird case where the... Telltale we know doesn't exist anymore, but the name Telltale will now still exist, and it's, they're going to try. It's to like Toys R Us. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Where it's like it went away. Everyone lost their jobs, and every all the the audience was really sad. And then a couple months later, somebody was like, "Let's bring it back." And you're like, "We're kind of still mourning." And also, a lot of people are still angry at you guys for like not handling this correctly. Yeah, I sort of feel like I'm in. You know, there I've seen two camps of thought. Like one is that it's awesome that we might get a Wolf Among Us 2 because that particular game was so good. Um, And, you know, it's awesome that these licenses might have the chance to live again. And then, you know, there's people like me who who, who sort of feel like this is kind of like Telltale's been buried in the pet cemetery and then it's come out as like it looks like Telltale but it's different and it's a bit wrong because you know of course it's not going to be the same company and it's not it's not it's not even just not going to be, be the same company it's 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 going to be completely different right it's it's not even that to say like it's weird to say the company has been revived is misleading the brand has been revived yeah yeah like somebody somebody has essentially purchased that brand and whatever as you mentioned whatever licenses licenses it has retained and are just using those to make games that they see as hard to make without the Telltale name, which is fair because nobody really made games, not many people made games like Telltale games to the point where I think they even mentioned this in their announcement Mm. that like Telltale is basically a genre, right? When you say it's a Telltale game or it's like a Telltale game, you know, to the point where it's even confusing to people where like, uh, 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 what what's the the one that I'm totally blanking on? People that make uh, Life is Strange. Right? Yeah, oh, Life oh, is yeah, Strange yeah. is a game where you're like, oh, that's basically a Telltale game, yep. and that word has sort of transcended the company. And I think that's what they're capitalizing on here is that they're reviving that. They're reviving that 
recognizable, quick sort of thing where you can say, oh, Telltale is making this game, even if it's completely not the same people and not the same vision and not the same everything else. It's yeah. just a shame because that also, you know, it's such a cynical sell to me because so much of the reason that I loved Telltale games weren't necessarily because of their the engine or definitely not um you know definitely not the engine <laughs> um or you know that that particular genre if we want to call it that um but it was because of the the humor and the storytelling and it's, I it's think the, it's the writing it's the art yeah. direction it's the voice acting yeah. I mean to get all those voice actors together uh, yeah. you know we're we're friends with a, a couple of them ever since like just covering this industry for the last few years, it's it takes a lot to get that band back together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the logo. So, mm -hmm. it, and there's no clear sign to what extent they will get a band back right. together. Like mm -hmm. obviously, them saying there will be opportunities for some former Telltale employees. We don't know. Does that mean five employees? Does that mm -hmm. mean a hundred? Like, there's such a weird extent there. And then when it comes to the creative teams. Are you just going to perfectly reassemble a creative team? Is that like their focus, this new company? It's really unclear where they go from here to make it still feel like Telltale Games beyond like, just saying is, like it is, has choice. Is it better to get, like if you have a favorite TV show that got canceled after two seasons, is it better to just leave it or get closure in quotes from like an entirely new team of people who are going to sort of drag it to the finish line? You know? well, it, like, I don't want to see The Wolf Among Us get community season four, right. basically. Right? <laughs> no, exactly. Or like, The Simpsons past anything season <laughs> 10. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a very weird situation. And yeah, I think for anyone who's excited for Telltale to come back, I understand that excitement, but I do think you need to like set expectations that, one, we don't know to what scale they're looking to make games, but also what the actual tenor of these games is going to feel like. It's yep. very strange. Um, moving on from that, though, in some more lighthearted news of a new game being announced, uh, Shovel Knight Dig has been announced. Yeah, uh, A new Shovel Knight game, which is uh, being co-developed by, and I'm going to find this. Nitrome. There we go. Thank you. Uh, Nitrome is working in conjunction with Yacht Club Games, of course, the original makers of Shovel Knight, um, for a game that follows Drill Knight and, quote, his dastardly digging crew blasting apart Shovel Knight's peaceful campsite and stealing his loot. Uh, Shovel Knight then grabs his shovel blade and begins chasing after them. Players will, quote, jump, slash, and dig their way down an ever-changing chasm of mystery in Shovel Knight Dig. So basically... Sh like uh, Steamroll Dig esque mm -hmm. or Dig Dug esque, with a little bit of uh, Downwell. Yeah, Downwell, a little bit of that. Yeah. Apparently, it's infinitely replayable. That they said that it's got handcrafted levels that are stitched together. So I think that it probably is going to be some sort of roguelike experience or roguelite or whatever you want to call it. It'll be able to you'll be able to play it a bunch of times and it'll change every time. We we got Steamworld Quest this year, mm -hmm. which was cool, but. I'm more of a SteamWorld Dig guy, and SteamWorld Dig 1 and 2 are like two of my favorite Metroidvanias ever made. Um, so I'm excited for this. This is it's, it's cool to see them doing more stuff under their studio uh, besides this and the... What's the other game they're putting out? Cyber Ninja or whatever. Oh, yeah, the game oh, they're publishing. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm totally that. butchering the name of, it, and I'll get called out for it. But it, <laughs> it's, it's nice that yeah, like Yacht Club is kind of taking on this more umbrella focus than just making Shovel Knight and then making more Shovel Knight. Yep. They're yeah. co-partnering with people to make Shovel Knight. And Nitrome, uh, uh, Nitrome is a studio that might not jump out at you. Nitrome was one of my favorite flash game sites back like probably a decade ago, and all they do is they just made like they just made these really beautifully pixelated pretty bite-sized games, whether they were platformers or puzzle games, they made all these different kinds of things, and they just made a ton of them. Like, they just made a 
bunch of games, and you can still go to their site and if you have Flash installed, still play their <laughs> games. Um, and a lot of them really, really hold up. So it's really cool to see this because it's a developer that has a long, long track record of making, you know, not every one of their games was a winner, but like making consistent games that were pretty and had a vision and just were like fun. That's awesome. Yeah, it's exciting to see them, especially knowing Yacht Club's pedigree to join up and see what they can make together. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that should be exciting to see. We don't have a release date yet, but more Shovel Knight is always a great thing. And I know this show for a long time has been a big proponent of the Shovel Knight franchise. So excited to see what comes next. Right. Uh, beyond that, um, a sequel to Man of Medan was teased shortly after its release called Little Hope. Uh, it will apparently be released in 2020. Uh, a trailer for this was revealed. Um, it apparently came originally after the Man of Medan credits. So I guess slight spoiler if you haven't finished Man of Medan, which Lucy has because she reviewed. I did. Um, the trailer, I guess some spoilers, uh, though these are, it's an anthology series, so not too much of what happens in Man of Medan. The trailer features Banner Snatch and Midsummer's Will Poulter as Andrew and appears to be set in a creepy town called Little Hope. A young girl with a doll can be seen dancing around a fire and Andrew's friend Angela is shown to be in trouble. Uh, beyond that, there's very little in the trailer of what it is. Um, Lucy, you played through Man of Medan how many times for the review? I played through twice. Um, and I played through like some co-op as well, which was a really fun way to play it. Um, I mean, it, it's it's like a lot of people are sort of upset and... Why do I even, you know, a lot of people are upset at me because of this review, like, surprise. Um, a lot of people are upset at the fact that I called out, because, like, I, I enjoyed it. I gave it a seven. Um, I thought it was it was really good. Uh, but I think that it lacked a lot of the charm of Until Dawn. And what I, I think what I liked so much about Until Dawn is that it, um, it was, it reveled in its horror tropes and therefore kind of, like, felt a little bit, like, postmodern. I hate using that word, but like, it felt, like, a little bit, like, you know, it was like screen the video game. It was messing around with tropes and, and having fun with, like, very familiar settings and scenarios and characters. Uh, and I think with Man of Dan, it was, it was very... It was sort of much more muted. Like, mm -hmm. the characters weren't particularly... Less campy. Yeah, it was yeah. less campy, and therefore it was a little less interesting because it was just like, oh, okay, these are... I don't really... <sighs> these characters aren't really speaking to me I'm not getting a lot of I'm not really getting a lot from them the scenario is you know it starts off really slowly so that was my main criticism people were like well you know a horror game that shouldn't you shouldn't be docking points for it not being funny and it's like no that's not <laughs> that's not the point I'm making what I'm trying to say is like it's just lacking that like because horror comes in all different flavors you don't just horror isn't just relentlessly scary because come on like there's some games are, can be relentlessly scary and that's awesome, but like not everyone wants that experience. And I think with this interactive storytelling kind of uh, stuff that um, Supermassive. Supermassive is going for uh, is, you know, they're so good at telling those, those stories that really play with the genre. And I just felt like this wasn't in the same way. Mm. But I still, with that said, I still found it really fun. I still really enjoyed uh, seeing how many ways I can kill these characters and how many <laughs> ways I can save them and... And also playing with a friend is such a great experience because you don't know how that friend is going to react, how that yeah. friend is going to control that experience. So you don't know, you know, are we in this together to save all of these characters or are you going to go rogue and just decide to yep. mess everything up? And that's a really fun co-op experience to, to have. And I had, a, I had a really good time with it. So you feel like 
probably there's a decent base here for this anthology series because every story is going to be different. So it's possible like the setting or the characters may connect with you more next time. Yeah, I guess I guess like another thing that would have been really cool to have seen Supermassive done is is go through different genres of horror and again like play through like because Until Dawn was very much slasher. I mean, I know it didn't end up being that way. Spoilers. Um, but you the know, setup the setup yeah. and the tropes that explored was were very much in the slasher genre. Yeah, and it would have been really cool to have seen uh, Madame Dan sort of explore something else. It kind of like it was a little bit like sci-fi horror. It was a little bit like Event Horizony, um, you know, like oh this 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 ship is alive kind of thing, which was cool. But like I just it wasn't quite clever enough mm-hmm. for me. And I know that sounds really snobby, and I'm probably going to get played alive in the comments but like no it's a, i mean horror is tough in video games it it's is tough. it's yeah i mean this it, i'm playing blair witch right now which is not on ps4 but same same sort of deal where i'm just like stuff that works in film um such as you know them running around disoriented doesn't necessarily translate well to a video game that actually becomes a frustrating experience so yeah. um and I, I appreciate what you say about like different types different genres of horror which in itself is its own genre i don't think a lot of people think about it like that i think they're just like is it scary yes or no and it's it's, it's not that binary yeah. yeah there's also there's creepy there's unsettling there's disturbing there's stuff that doesn't have any jump scares at all that you walk away from like horrified there's stuff like you know hereditary which is just downright drenched in disgusting nightmares for hours and then you watch midsummer and you're like oh that's not that's not doing the same thing but holy crap is it weird and creepy in a totally different way. Yeah, and even then on the other side, you've got movies like Child's Play yep. and like Cabin in the Woods and all of these other kind of genres that are uh, very much, uh, there's a lot of levity there, there's a lot of humor there, there's a lot of playfulness there. That doesn't mean they're not horror movies. So yeah, I find I find the kind of black and white argument that there, sh- there shouldn't be levity in a horror video game mm-hmm. quite frustrating. Um, a black and white horror movie I want to see is The Lighthouse. It's coming out this Ooh, week. Same, yeah, really so good. good. But yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to them playing with more genres, and I'm pleased that this is an anthology because I want to see more. Yeah, I, I'm excited for them to. I'm curious how long into development they are on this next one. Obviously, they're looking to do these pretty quick turnaround wise, but they already have four or five ideas in place, I believe. Yeah. So seeing how maybe they can adjust course over the course of the next couple will be very curious to see. Uh, but I'm I would love to, honestly, I would love to write one of those things. It'd be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Cut to a year from now. Lucy's like, today is my final day. <laughs> <laughs> the woman of woman death. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh. I don't know why oh. I like that phrase. Uh, well, Lucy, <laughs> uh, before you go off to write uh, one of the anthology, uh, what are they called? The the dark pictures, dark anthology. pictures anthology. Uh, before you go off to write one of those, hopefully you will be around to find out what the secret new Resident Evil project is. No. Uh, Capcom's teasing a new RE with a reveal at the Tokyo Game Show this September. Uh, there was a teaser website that came up last week that had a title on it that said Project Resistance. Obviously, the R and E in it were highlighted, so Resident Evil. Um, this has led to a lot of speculation of it possibly being a new Resident Evil outbreak. Uh, I have no idea of Resident Evil Outbreak before all this discussion. Um, is anyone on the panel a fr- fan of that? I played it ages series? ago. Okay. It was, um, I would say, in terms of the endeavors that the Resident Evil franchise has made into multiplayer, it was one of my favorites. Gotcha. It was one of the ones I liked more. Um, it focused. The first foray into co op? Yeah, because it, it felt like the most grounded in the single player games. Yeah. It still had like sort of tanky controls. Um, but you you kind of work together on stuff instead of being like 
I forget what it was. Was it Operation Raccoon City was the first person shooter? Mm-hmm. It was so, just yeah. like a, aggressively bad. <laughs> just it, it was just like, oh, let's make Call of Duty money. Um, so I hope this is not like one of those like, oh, we're, let's get, you know, let's get Call of Duty money. Let's get Battle Royal money. I hope this is something more interesting. Um, selfishly, we just got Resident Evil 2 this year. So if they do want to go diagonal with this for a broader multiplayer audience, do what you got to do to make money as long as we get Resident Evil 3 and Resident Evil 4 remakes eventually. Well, I do like we've all been talking about like where do they go next? Uh, Resident Evil 8 or Resident Evil 3 remake? And I like the yeah. idea of like, no, what if they divert course and do another really big yeah new diversion of the resident evil franchise and maybe it's like they kind of know the momentum they're working with and i don't think they would just take a risk on something they don't believe in yeah yeah well, totally. I, I agree but counterpoint umbrella core right like, yeah the Re- i love resident evil 2 remake and i honestly will be excited to some degree for kind of whatever comes next in this series because i think they're doing so so well recently but the scary part of it not being Resident Evil 8 or Resident <laughs> Evil 3 remake is that their spinoffs have not always been slam dunks. They haven't always been successes. Yeah. They've experimented with stuff and failed, which is great. I would I love that a developer with a franchise that's this venerated can take risks mm-hmm. and screw up and still keep going. I think that's wonderful. But it is like a little bit like gets me a little bit nervous that you're like maybe if they go some other direction, it's gonna be another kind of like Bum one, but you know, like that's it's not kind the of a watered down because Umbrella is yeah. very much like a watered down kind of Resident Evil. It was fine. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's not. You know, I'm still excited for it. It's just like it, yeah. it, I understand maybe that, that why there would be some apprehension, especially when RE2 remake was just so such a good good single player experience, and people are so apprehensive of everything turning into multiplayer nowadays sure. too. Yeah. I I just kind of get all of that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I hope it can fill the Left 4 Dead 3 hole in our hearts, though, mm-hmm. and maybe be that fun. Uh, last <laughs> but not least, in News Crunch, just wanted to mention, unfortunately, Max is not here, uh, but Yakuza 7 was officially announced. Uh, it is changing up the formula in a big way because now battles are turn-based. And he is going to be so mad at this when he gets back from vacation. <laughs> I can't he's wait probably to not. He probably hasn't looked at this. He's going to come home and he's going to find out that his favorite franchise is going turn-based and he's going to be livid. This is like when uh, Cyberpunk tweeted at him and was like, hey, Max, we have some excuses we all want to talk to you about. And he just wasn't around. Uh, What's really funny about this is, though, that they first basically teased this in a deleted April Fool's video earlier this year that showed um, the protagonist engaging in turn-based combat. Why would you? Why would you fake people out with a lie on April Fool's Day and then make it real? I that is that's genius. so I love funny. It. I, I love, love it. that. It's like, oh, here's like something ridiculous. Oh, April Fools, and it's like a couple of months later. No, that was very serious. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I mean, most we're of investing the, a lot of money. Most <laughs> of the stuff in our fake Nintendo Direct this year is probably going to come true eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Aside from thing, Donkey Kong's divorce cruise. The thing I really <laughs> appreciate about this, and I think Just Max will, will take solace in, is. Uh, I really loved the kind of transparency that the development team had with this, where they were like, hey, we're going to try out this weird new direction, and if it doesn't work and people don't like it, well, we just won't do it again. Yeah. yeah. Next one. And I like, love that. That's yeah. really wonderful that they're just like, yeah, you know, if you guys don't like this, like, that's fine. It's not like that is cool. the future of the series. Like, we're just trying do, something. Do yeah. we know? I feel like the audience response to this has been mixed. I've seen like some some petitions. Yeah. I almost said protests. I, I I don't know. I think that the response I've seen turn based protest. The response I've seen has not been as negative as you would imagine for a tur- like a real time action game turning into a turn based RPG. I think uh, because and I think part of that is because the 
so much of what people love about Yakuza extends beyond the combat, mm-hmm. and there's still likely going to be all the weird like karaoke scenes and weird other things to do in this game. Well, it's like I don't what, know that for sure. It's like, like what Judgment just did. Where right. It's just like, oh, we took this established thing and we went a little bit over here with it, yeah. but it still mostly works in, in the ways you want it to. Yeah, yeah I, so I think that's what's muted the sort of like, knee-jerk negative reaction is that Yakuza's combat has always been important to the series. It's just like there's a lot more than just the combat. Yeah, and if this game can still capture all of that, I assume there will still be a contingent of the fan base that is happy with that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. It's curious to see, but yeah, that was the the first thing I saw was the turn-based announcement, and then the second thing I saw was the wonderful developer comments of like, yeah, we thought we just got like we couldn't really do anything different with the combat, so we wanted to try something different. And yeah. I, I love their transparency about that. Um, Yakuza 7 will launch on the PS4 in Japan on January 16th, 2020, and then release in the West later in 2020. And uh, I don't believe we mentioned this on last week's show, but if you want, Yakuza 3 Remastered is currently available on PS4, and Yakuza 4 and 5 Remastered are also coming to PS4. Uh, and that is it for News Crunch. So moving on from that, I thought we could talk a lot about all the... Oh, also briefly want to mention 15 new minutes of cyberpunk gameplay. We should talk about that briefly. You know, like cyberpunk's a pretty big game. Um, 15 new minutes, 7,000 new screenshots on the site, Tom. Yeah. Two, yeah, two roughly, billion screenshots. Roughly a lot of new two screenshots. Billion. Yeah. Two billion. Um, uh, it showed a bit of the gameplay that we saw behind closed doors at E3. So if you haven't seen that, go check that out. Uh, it's on IGN and youtube.com slash IGN. And of course, we wrote pretty extensively about all that stuff at E3, so you can find all that coverage there. Uh, but beyond that, I did want to move on to talk about a bit about what we're playing and what we've been playing and reviewing. And Tom, I want to start with you. Iceborne! Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Yeah. What'd you give it? Uh, I gave it a 9.0. A bad game. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. No, it's wonderful. It is absolutely... Just <laughs> It's fantastic. Um, it is... The story took me... like The campaign of the game took me about 40 hours of playing through. And granted, some of that was the, the benefit of having time to play with. And it wasn't like a crunched review or anything is that I could... Uh, play it at the pace I think most people will, right? And so it took me 40 hours while grinding for some gear here and there and going back and doing other monsters, helping my friends with some stuff when they were behind in it, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and it was, that that is comparable to the base game. It has as many, I think, around as many assigned quests, which are like the main story quests, as the base game. And it has not as many monsters, but nearly as many monsters as the base game had when it came out. That's insane. Yeah. Do you think they just, they were like, oh, we'll make a small side thing, and they just, it just kept growing? I don't know. Like, this is the main thing, is there's only, like, the the, the main area that they're adding is, is the Hoarfrost Reach, and, like, that is... It's interesting that it's just this one main area compared to the, what, five that there were in, in, in Monster Hunter World? So, like, it's... And I talk about this in my review, which you can check out on IGN.com or on our YouTube. Um, it's not a sequel, but in ways it is, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there are there are aspects of it. Like, if you're just talking about story content and amount of stuff in this game, it is the size of Monster Hunter World again. That's mm-hmm. amazing. But then when you talk about, you know, locations, it's not quite that. A lot of the monsters are subspecies and variants of existing monsters, which is... I was kind of bummed by, but I know that long-time Monster Hunter fans are more used to that. I've heard that in a lot of other expansions for other Monster Hunter games, generally what happens is there will be, like, 
two or three brand new monsters and then some returning ones and a lot of subspecies and variants of monsters that exist already. Um, as someone who only came into Monster Hunter at World, which is, I think I've talked about this on the show before, nine, roughly nine million people, including me. I was one of them. Yeah. Uh, because four and a half, I, I think I brought this up, but it's one of my favorite statistics. The best-selling Monster Hunter game before World sold four and a half million copies, and World has sold 13 million. Wow. So there are roughly nine million people who are fresh into the series from this, and I think those people, myself included, are going to be a little bit off-put by how many subspecies there are, because roughly half the monsters in the game are basically a monster you've already fought, changed and remixed and they have new abilities and they have new stuff and that is really like they feel unique they feel fun to fight none of the fights in this game are bad by any means but there's no way that a subspecies of a monster you fought at the beginning of world's campaign can be as exciting as just a brand new monster right isn't, yeah. isn't it weird how like with some franchises that's a big deal for people and then in something like Super Mario, they're like, the Koopas and Koopas are back. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are the Koopa kids? Bring them back. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's just, it's really wonderful. Um, was the subspecies versus new monsters thing, like, was that your biggest critique of the game? Um, Probably. Yeah. Um, I think that there, there are also some little issues here and there with, like, weapon progression. So... Uh, the base game has eight tiers of rarity, which is like just basically the higher in rarity you get, the better the weapon or the armor is. Um, it has eight tiers of rarity, and Iceborne extends all of the weapon trees. It makes their, so anything, any item you, every weapon you have or most weapons you have can then upgrade to be even better. And there are four new rarity tiers. And the trouble with that, they're all really cool, and the weapons are neat and yada, 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 but like, the the fact that they had to stretch four rarity tiers over the same length campaign and an end game, whereas Monster Hunter World had eight rarity tiers to stretch over that length, means that you feel like you're getting weapons slower because the materials you need to make them show up later or take longer to find. So the the progression in weapons, the progression in armor is still great, but the progression in weapons is like a little stunted. But again, those are really nitpicky issues, right? And they're nitpicky issues that probably people are not going to be super bothered by most of the time. Um, if you were one of those people that like barely made it to the finish line of World's campaign, it's probably going to bug you that like you're not getting the best weapons you can until mm -hmm. the end game. But if you're one of the people who's put, you know, 100 plus hours into Monster Hunter World and you're jumping into Iceborne to get this refresh thing and you're going to spend tons of time in the end game, then like it's not really going to bother you that much. Can you, if it's spoilery, spoilery, we can skip. But can you talk at all about the end game of it? Because obviously, Monster Hunter is so much about you know playing yeah. through, it, but then also continuing to play. I can't. Okay. Really, what okay. I can say, and I do this, say this in my review. This will be completely non-spoilery. They do something. They, the direction the end game has gone is completely unlike anything Monster Hunter World has done to a mm -hmm. significant degree. Um, and it's a really, really unexpected direction, and it's really, really cool, and it's worth getting to. Um, that's all I can say. I can't go into any specifics. Awesome. But overall, you love the experience. The new monsters are fun to fight. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. not. It's it's one of those things that tries to blur the line between a sequel and a, an expansion, and it doesn't quite feel like a full sequel. Um, and there are things that bug me here and there, but overall, there's not. You know, there's something like two dozen monsters added, and there's not a dud amongst them. They're all great. 
it's just it's just a wonderful expansion. If you if you liked Monster Hunter World already, you're gonna absolutely love this. And if you didn't play Monster Hunter World, you just should because now the game <laughs> just doubled in size pretty much. Because now they're selling it together, where you can get Iceborne in the base game for sixty dollars. Oh, nice! That's so awesome. It's just like a and and again. Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter is an incredibly intimidating franchise, and World is the most accessible it has ever been. Yeah. And to play Iceborne, you do need to complete World, correct? Yeah, to yeah, get that's... into the Iceborne content, you need to have beaten the story of, of World, which, if you're rushing, takes you about 30 to 40 hours. If, gotcha. you're, if you're going at a... Well, 30 hours if you're going fast, 40 hours if you're like playing a little bit more like a normal human being. <laughs> or um, if you have Casey DeFridis just like power leveling you through, as you said, then it can take you less than 30. Yeah, that really helps. Uh, well, your full review is up on IGN. The video review is up on IGN.com and YouTube.com slash IGN. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, please check that out if you haven't already. Lucy. Yes. Over in uh, ye old Germany, mm -hmm. you played a little game that I played in Seattle, which was much closer. I made a much shorter trip than you did to play this game. <laughs> but uh, we both I was played. I like sweating, like my hair plastic yeah. in my face. Like, <laughs> I had a two-hour flight. I read It. It was wonderful. Um, uh, you read you It, read it, it two in hours. two hours? I, I didn't finish it. I was reading Jumped It. Jumped down his throat and kicked his butt. <laughs> God. It's a big book is what it's we're trying to say. You put it in many hours. Many hours. You two did not apparently read the message of the book. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the part where the bullies made fun of the kids and then stopped. You'll float anyway. too. Oh. Oh, I'm, I'm really enjoying that book. Anyway, uh, we both played Marvel's Avengers. Yes. And then also learned a lot more about Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, uh, so much more. Yes. So much more. So before we jump into that, I do want to say we've talked a lot about Avengers on the show, uh, mostly from the point of view of everything we saw at E3, which was the game demo that is now publicly available. They released it in conjunction with Gamescom. You can watch that demo. Lucy and I played that demo specifically. Uh, we played that bit of the game. Uh, that demo includes the new footage they included for San Diego Comic-Con, which seems to tease uh, Kamala Khan. But we played that game, so we've played as each of the five Avengers. We've seen it in action, then learned a lot more about how the game works um, with some extra footage and stuff. And I came away, and I think you did similarly, of, oh boy, I wish this is what they had shown us at E3. Yeah, it was Ooh. such a strange demo insofar as I was like, this is just so much information because we had the actual like demo that you know was shown behind closed doors, but we could play it, and then we just got like half an hour info dump. of info. Yeah, and it was just like, Whoa, and uh. it's like costumes and skill trees and how the world works and how missions work, and if you were wondering about microtransactions and story and all these things, and it was like, oh, so the thirty articles we wrote at uh, E3 would have just not have happened if we yeah, oh, right, because you're like, well, how will microtransactions work? Here's what we think, maybe, yeah. and they were just like, and you'll be able to buy. Some some of these costumes in the store. And we're like, oh, oh. okay. I mean, and to, to Square's credit, I do feel like it's probably like they're probably a little bit like, oh yeah, we probably should have done that in the mm -hmm. first place because this is a bit dumb. Um, so top level, do you guys feel better about it? Much, much better about yeah. it. I still think it's. I still there's an uneasy sort of feeling in my chest where I'm just like, oh, it's trying a lot. It's trying to do a lot. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I came away from chatting with Corey Barlog when he was uh, recording Beyond for our God of War, like, end of year, best overall game thing. and I That was, was the like, exact title. You yeah. Right. yeah. I couldn't We're really I, bad I at headlines. Game of the year. Yeah. Game of the year. Why did I just look? <laughs> best overall game thing. Especially broke YouTube. IGN, best overall game thing. Um, <laughs> and I just remember, like, we were chatting. It was just like, the reason that God of War was so good cause, is because it did, it did, like, a couple of things really, really well. And it just focused on those two things. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I feel like Avengers is just trying to do so many different yeah. things. Um, and I worry, and again, this is just, this is just my personal worry. I, I hope it won't eventuate like this, but like, I worry that it's going to spread itself a little thin. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think it could. I, I, I have a feeling this is a game where there are going to be parts of it that are amazing. Yeah. And then some parts of it that I'll probably in time just kind of ignore or pass over. Um, I'd love for it all to be fascinating, but yeah, I agree with you. It feels like they're juggling so much and I'm excited to see that ambition, like actually getting a sense of just how the campaign and how replayability of it is structured. They showed us behind closed doors and it's something that before they announced the game, we were all talking about like Marvel's destiny. Is that what this game is? And it kind of is. But after seeing what it is, I like that idea. Mm. Yeah. So they showed us essentially the world of the game. You're, the Avengers will all operate out of a like downed helicarrier. Um, and you have like a world map and the world is divided into different uh, geographic areas. And so they showed us the American Southwest. Um, and they're like, this is a campaign mission. You go there and it is a specific mission designed for a specific hero. Yeah, and you so play it's that a hero. There. Yeah, I think the correct term is like hero mission. Yes. And then yeah. there's war zone missions. War zone missions, which are the ones you can play yeah. in co-op that are the ones where you're all getting together and doing big action set pieces, but they also do have a bit of world building and lore in there. And then they also were like, there's all these other icons on the map. We're not going to tell you what those are, but you can see that's a Black Widow icon. So chances are that'll have to do with Black Widow. And it's like, oh, so that's probably like a lighter replayable or quick solo mission that gives you maybe a bit of her abilities. Like it gives you a way to easily increase her or a way to find out more about her story. The, the complaint about it trying to do too much is such a real, real worry too, because you're just talking about Arkham Knight and the Batmobile, and it's like if they're trying to make every one of these heroes play differently, mm -hmm. which hero is going to be the Batmobile, right? Like, which one of these heroes is you're going to be like, ah, another Hulk mission, damn yeah. it. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and if you're not able to choose in those, those kind of critical path story missions, there's going to be a hero or two that just isn't as fun as some of the other heroes, and you're going to have to play through their missions. I am happy, at least, though, that the missions are designed around those heroes. Yeah, well, because my, smart, yeah. my worry was that the campaign was going to be, because this was unclear even at E3, like, you could choose whichever hero you want and go through the campaign with them, because then missions would have to work for all five of them. Right, mm -hmm. right. Like, you know, like, the Hulk is more ground level, whereas Iron Man could just fly over everyone, theoretically. It's, so. Yeah, and it's definitely incredibly ambitious to, instead of doing a hyper focused single player game or even multiplayer game that's based on one specific character trait, Iron Man, Spider-Man, um, or doing something a lot more sort of comical slapstick like Ultimate Alliance, which takes everybody and just kind of goes, oh, you have powers, but they only go this high. You yeah. Know? yeah. And like mm -hmm. um, to do something that's this, that's scoped this like sort of gargantuan is really ambitious. I don't know anything about game design or a very, you know, tiny amount, but it seems to me like it's the kind of thing that like, they might be like, oh no, this this kind of got out of our hands. I mean, the more I think about it deeply, and again, I came back way more impressed by it than when I started at E3, but the more I thought about what I'd learned, it kept breaking my brain in terms of like how far I understand game design to go. Because <laughs> it's just like, okay, so you've got five different characters, you are going to build worlds that will cater to one specific one in particular, but you're also going to ca cater to... Oh. All of them in these other areas where you will want a, people to choose each different Avenger because you don't want four Thors flying around. Um, and you've got to have that be balanced. 
you've also got to have this like very robust loot system to keep people wanting to play because the whole idea is that they're just going to introduce more and more of these characters right. and it's just going to be a years, years, years like ongoing experience. Yeah, so everything also has to almost retrofitted be able to support these future characters, which obviously they're planning some of these in advance. It's not like mm -hmm. they're going into release being like, who knows who we'll put in next? But they, yeah, they were saying to us in our briefing, they were like, the new characters are not just going to fall into like the Iron Man class or the Thor class. Like the way these five heroes are supposed to play differently, the sixth hero will play just as differently and the seventh will as well. Like yeah. it's supposed to keep multiplying. And I guess what is good about that too is for in terms of the sort of costume and cosmetic side, there's decades yeah. of oh, source and material. And maybe it is a source yeah. material. Yeah. Rather than something like Anthem, which you're like, oh, what, do you, what am I going to get? Like, yeah, like I can get Iron Man's colors. Like who is who is Anthem? Yeah. <laughs> um, but who then, it, of, of course, on top of on top of that pressure, you've also got the pressure of like MCU storytelling and creating stories that are that feel as epic as what we've seen on the big screen yep. because they are modeled. These characters are modeled so closely on their MCU counterparts, and it's just like, wow, that is a lot. That is a lot of like stuff to juggle and that's just scratching the surface like I, we didn't even really find out about mm -hmm. like how co-op works oh yeah there's so, so much left to it yeah. there's still so much we we have to learn and and like again i'm like i'm stoked i'm really stoked that this is a much more defined game in my mind now and i'm really stoked that they are trying so many different things but also i'm just like oh i hope you tread that tightrope well, my 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 issue with that sort of aesthetically is that it does get close enough to the films in terms of looks, mm. but far enough from likenesses that it takes you out of it. And so I wish they had just gone artistically in a completely different direction rather than go at something that's sort of hyper-realistic and sort of like a lot of the MCU characters have this kind of like military, almost soldier-like. There's like, that's the kind of art direction they went in, right? Um, and I, I, I don't know if like going with something that was more cel-shaded or cartoony or even different entirely would have worked. Uh, but the way it is now, it's like 50% like I'm watching the movies, and then I look at the characters' faces and voices, and it takes me out of that. Well, this one's going to be weird, too, though, because you can put a different costume on it. So like, yeah. you can be looking at the Hulk, and it looks a lot – I mean, the Hulk generally looks the same no matter what medium. But like you can put him in his Joe Fix-It outfit so he's in a pinstripe suit. Mm -hmm. Or you can have Thor be in a more classic like Norse-looking costume than he is in some of the MCU movies. Um, Which is cool because I hope they let it get goofy. You yeah, know? Oh, like, they're definitely I think they're going to. to. Yeah. I think that's where the microtransactions come in because this, you know I, I think a lot of the – Costumes you'll be able to earn in game, but like I think some of they're they're, they're really pushing hard for mm -hmm. uh, costume cosmetic and cosmetic stuff, and that's that's yeah. where yeah the marketplace will yeah be a, be yeah a thing. I appreciate that because yeah, comic books are inherently funny. A lot of the MCU yeah. movies are lighthearted in parts. Um, yeah. There's great jokes in them. I mean, I was watching Endgame again the other day, and the scene where Ant Man loses his taco is just one of the funniest things I've seen in. in a movie in years. Um, and you look at like the Lego Avengers games, Lego Marvel games, and again, Ultimate Alliance. And I think they do a good job of sort of kit bashing all of that nonsense together in a cohesive place um, while still celebrating its coolness and kickassery. Yeah. I, I will say, I don't know if it's just because I've had to watch the demo like five times and then play it. I, the like disconnect of, oh, the MCU versus how these characters look, it didn't bother me as much good. anymore. Um, yeah. So. I think when you, you know, it's, it's a thrill to be, playing as Iron Man and it's it's just it's it's a thrill to be smashing stuff up as Hulk like it yeah. is it feels it feels good yeah um and another thing that like I just want to you know point out is that the um 
the intro that we did play is very linear. Uh, and I did mention that in a video that was shot at Gamescom at the time. And I think people thought that that was kind of a complaint. It wasn't. It's, it's just that uh, what we were promised is that the gameplay, once it opens out, is not going to be like that. It's going to be much more, uh, you're going to have much more freedom. Um, but, uh, you know, this was just kind of like a, a appetizer yeah. of how the characters play. And it was really fun. It was very linear, but it it was an, it was a prologue. It was like an intro. So. Yeah, I liked playing as all five of them. Me too. So yeah, I'm, that's that's like probably the best thing you could possibly say. Yeah, it, like at least for now. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But yeah, <laughs> um, it was definitely so nice to just find out more of what this game actually is uh, during that period. Um, I also wanted to mention while I played Marvel's Avengers at PAX, I also got to play the PS4 exclusive um, Predator Hunting Grounds, which is the four v one multiplayer shooter. Um, created by the developers Ilphonic, who created the Friday the 13th game of a similar nature. Um, I played both as a soldier fighting against the Predator and then as the Predator itself. I won as the Predator. Nice. Oh, nice. Very proud, destroying all of my fellow Prouditor. Uh, co-workers. Prouditor. I'm That's, a dad now. I make terrible jokes. I'm if, sorry. If it's a great game, we can use that as the strap line. <laughs> um so the setup of the game is exactly that. It's 4v1. The four soldiers have a series of objectives they need to complete before at the end of the level that we were playing, at least in the jungle, you have to get to the chopper and outrun the predator. As long as one soldier makes it to the end, it counts as a win. <laughs> um, except for, which, for the other soldiers. Except for the yeah, others, yeah, yeah. which happened to us. Our final soldier made it to the end. The oh, rest wow. of us were dead. Um, but the four of you are playing. There's a few different classes, like an assault class, a sniper class, et cetera. And you're, you know, having to turn on radio relays or having to hold down a specific location until something boots up, things of that nature. Um, there is an enemy faction of soldiers out in the jungle. Um, but basically you're just a human soldier. Then the predator, you play as the predator. Uh, it has the shoulder cannon, as you would expect. It has, uh, the arm blades. You can turn invisible. You can obviously scout from the tree treetops. You have heat vision. Um, and you are much tougher, but by the same token, they do some things to balance it out that I thought worked really well. Namely, the Predator, all of its skills are based around, except for like, you know, just pure attacking, are based around one energy meter that needs to recharge before you can use it if you depleted it. So your shoulder cannon, you can just do a lot of volleys with it, quick volleys that don't take up too much of your battery, but you can also do a charge shot, which does a lot of damage, but also takes up more than half the battery. So you can only really get like two of those off before you have to sit back and wait. Oh, wow. And if you get swarmed, the predator can go down. Like it, it, they are not un impervious to attacks. Uh, they definitely do have a lot more health, it felt like. Uh, as I was playing as the predator, some of the enemy AI of just that enemy faction would be shooting at me and it felt like nothing like picking away shots but so it should you're the predator exactly but then like three or four of the human playable characters started ganging up on me and were just constantly unloading bullets and it was like oh i there's all this green blood flying i need to run away and so the predator can pretty easily run to a tree if you see a tree trunk highlighted in red you can pounce toward it and then just climb up oh wow uh, and then cool. any branch that you see in front of you it basically can parkour through the branches and if you see a red branch you can just press x to jump over to it uh, so you can do that while you're invisible to sneak away you can use heat vision alternatively the humans can cover themselves in mud so your heat vision can't see them so like for example when i was a human the predator attacked two of my uh cohorts who were like literally right next to me but he didn't see me because i was covered in mud and he was using heat vision so i went around him and started unloading into him from behind and then eventually he found me and killed me wow but um <laughs> 
there is a little bit of strategy there, which made it a lot more tense and fun. And when the predator comes in to attack, like it tells you you're being hunted. It's like, oh, I'm going to die. I need to run. I need to hide. And if you get like stuck in a building, there's nowhere to go. Like right, the predator, right. at the end of the day, if it's a one-on-one match, unless the predator has no health left, you're probably going to die. I mean, that's, ooh, that sounds up my alley. It was fun. Yeah. It was, a, I really enjoyed it. As someone who's like kind of stayed away a lot more from shooter experiences pretty recently, we played these two matches and, you know, had we not been in the middle of a convention, it would have been one of those things where like, I'd play a few more of these right now. Yeah, yep. like I really was having a good time with that on either side of the coin because it didn't feel like as the four human characters, it was impossible to win. Like it felt, doable did it do anything different from evolved to make it (laughs) to make it i guess like evolved from evolve which which tanked so badly um i mean one having the predator license helps like just knowing that you're being there is a tenseness that you know if you've seen a predator movie of knowing the predator is out there and then when it disappears you're like i have no way to know where it is like you, you do have the friendly ability um you can spot it like you can basically uh tell your friends if you see it in the treetops there it is and like ping it um which is a nice little system to have but then it can go invisible and run away and then you don't know right so there is this certain like you always know the predator is out there but alternatively the predator doesn't always know where you are the predator so when you start at a level, you have no idea where the humans are. So it's like, I have to wait for some gunfire to start up or I have to wait for an explosion to happen or things like that. So. so so Evolve sort of died for the asymmetrical multiplayer genre to thrive because Dead by Daylight, Friday the 13th, a lot of these 1v many games have actually gotten a lot more popular recently um, in the last couple of years and, and are pretty fun. I think one of the key differences, and it sounds like this is one that is taking to heart as well, uh, one of the reasons I think that these games have advantages over Evolve, and this is not a hard and fast rule, is the one hunting the many rather than the many hunting the one. Mm. In Evolve, it was this monster running away, trying to do things and getting stronger while everybody was constantly chasing it. In all these in games like Friday the Thirteenth and Dead by Daylight and Predator, the many are trying to do a thing and they're under constant threat, mm, and yeah. it's like such a small psychological difference of like we need to do this quickly, we need to do this quickly, rather than we're constantly chasing this bullet sponge and it's always coming after us. Right. Yeah, that's that, very true. That yeah. flip is psychological difference. Very yeah. very yeah. important yeah. in terms of how like frustrating the game is there was a constant tension while i was not the predator of like he could appear out of anywhere and i might die i really need to not stay out and like it changed the way i ran around the world and when Uh, he disappears you're not like okay we gotta go find him right like you're like okay we can get back to what we were doing yeah uh quick question does it take place entirely like in the sort of predator one movie setting is it just in our world so we were just playing in like a jungle setting Mm -hmm. um it i don't know the scope of the game and I don't know if there's going to be multiple maps necessarily. They haven't really talked too much about that or what the progression will be like. It, th- there wasn't a ton of like story set up necessarily. It did feel sort of like Predator 1-esque for sure. It felt like it was capturing that mentality the most. Cool. Um, but I don't know where else it goes from there. I hope they do DLC or expand content for um, Predators, which uh, took place entirely on the Predator planet. Oh, yeah. Had a bunch of like soldiers and creepy people airdropped in. To like almost a battle royal setting where they had to fight like predator dogs and other sort of seems concepts. built perfectly sort of for that idea. Yeah, that'd so, be yeah. awesome. I, I'm curious to see what they do, but I liked it way more than I was expecting to. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for that. It comes out in 2020. We don't have a full detail list there. Um, 
But other than that, Brian, did you play anything while on vacation or anything? Games um, I played through a small game that Tom put me onto called Far Lone Sales. Far Lone Sales. It's a, a name I constantly forget <laughs> because it sounds like a, a like a college. It's not a great <laughs> name. Yeah, it's, it's not a great name, but it's a really cool, small, maybe like four hour long yeah. game about um, this small character who has to essentially bring this gigantic boat car thing across a desert and it it looks like a side scroller and it plays like a little bit like what you you combined lovers in a dangerous space time and inside yeah which is i think the perfect description for it Mm -hmm. um and it's a little clunky because by by the nature of you're dragging this giant arc almost (laughs) across the desert um but it's super charming and basically like little fires will, will appear on your on your on your ship and you'll have to put them out you'll have to find gasoline to power it through um and you're basically rolling slowly through this dystopian landscape and eventually you get a sail and your 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 vehicle can just kind of fly down and it's like very lonely and isolated but also really beautiful um and if yeah it's it's on PS4 so if you if you want to grab it on the cheap Go give it a look because you'll you'll fly through it in like a Saturday afternoon. It's like a nice little experience. Yeah, it came out on PS4 in April and just came out on Switch. So Tom, you reviewed it for that. Yep. Awesome. Uh, Lucy, do you have to leave I us? Do. Unfortunately, I do. I am heading to New Zealand for a couple of weeks, so I will see you all shortly. Well, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Farewell. Bye, Lucy. Do this, how do I do this? Just just run. Okay. No, you're doing yeah, good. Just you're good. Yeah. Uh, bye, Lucy. Bye. Have a great bye, trip. Bye, Lucy. Uh, as Lucy leaves us, we will uh, move on from what we've been playing to just the last couple of segments. Uh, namely, we're going to jump right into, if the sound works, memory card. Okay, Shout out to Ronnie. Part. Shout out to Ronnie. We miss you, Ronnie. Uh, if you are listening, please send me more jingles. Thank you very much. Uh, but also, we love you. Uh, memory card is, of course, our weekly segment, and I'm going to find the memory card we're reading this week. Memory card, every week we read your funny, sad, happy, weird, whatever memories of your video gaming life uh, on the show. Thank you to everyone who's been sharing these uh, with me. Thank you to everyone who mentioned the segment to me at PAX. Uh, I'm so happy to hear so many of you love the segment. Uh, we will continue to do it so long as you continue to send in stories. So if you have a story you want to share, send it to beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card, and we'll read those on the show every week. This week's comes to us from Theo. Theo says, hey, Jonathan and Beyond Crew. My dad has always been a PlayStation fan, and as a result, I too have played on these consoles with him. It was during the PS3 era though that he developed a habit for going for the trophies and platinums in the games he played. At a younger age, I took little notice of trophies, most likely because I didn't play games long enough to care before moving on, because they weren't on PlayStation before the PS3. But anyway, (laughs) don't worry about that, Theo. When I got a PS Vita, though, something changed in me. I quickly became obsessed with platinum collecting and started making remarks to my dad that I would one day overtake him. He would reply that the difficulty of the platinum should have more value than the quantity as I went for the easier games. That man has never met Greg Miller. Uh, For a while, (laughs) we said that we would create a book and use the PlayStation Trophy Guide difficulty as a scoring system for all of our Platinums. About two and a half years ago, coincidentally, when I started to get real close to him in number of Platinums, we started that book to sit alongside our PS4. Currently, my dad stands at 71 Platinums and a total of 275 points. I have 93 Platinums and a total of 283.5 points. Yes, that means I am winning for now. 
The memories that our ongoing competition has created will stay with me forever, but this week I go into year 13, my final year of school, to complete my A-levels to give me the grades to go on and study at university next year. I don't know where I might end up moving to next year, but I know our competition will still continue and keep us as close as we update the book with every platinum to come. Thank you all so much for listening. Theo from the UK. That is so awesome. I yeah, lo- great. I love that they created a complex math system for a complex math system yeah. that PlayStation created. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, trophy. There was a trophy competition back at IGN, like way back in the day before I started. Uh, which... I, I I think I like I heard rumblings of that, um, and I was here at the time, and I was like, I'm not doing that. And mm-hmm. then the people that went in, I believe Scott Bromley, who he... now writes and produces for the Star Wars show, won. Yes, but it was yeah. like Greg Collin, I think Clements, Scott Bromley, and Scott. I think it was just like everyone. Scott's one of those guys that's just like ultra competitive, <laughs> and he was just like he was playing. It was like my Miley or Hannah Montana dream catcher. Or I feel whatever. like I remember hearing about that on podcast. Yeah, the funny thing just, I re- remember distinctly about that was the advantage Scott had over the others was that they had already played all the easy games for platinum. Yes, so Scott could still get all of those trophies and would still count for the competition. Whereas Greg, Colin, and Clements had like not played those. They'd already played a bunch. No, of it's like if it's like if three fit people and one overweight person <laughs> got into like a monthly weight loss challenge and they're like, I'm trying everything and he's like aha i lost 35 pounds yeah. i've never felt better um no I, I know recently there was that uh what was that mayonnaise game oh i know what you're talking about you know about this yeah. game? it's like a mayonnaise game that came to ps4 that is just like one of the easiest platinums and the game was only like a dollar and you basically just like it's almost like a cookie clicker you just have to like my name is mayo yeah my name is it's, mayo. it's 99 cents yep it's yeah. a pretty easy platinum if you're looking for one of those i personally don't i don't go for those unless i like I'm playing a game and I'm I'm like oh man I I'm I'm almost at the finish line I might as well get the get the platinum but this one I I am Mayo is basically like this mayonnaise jar tapping game where you just have to do nonsense to a mayonnaise jar and uh, unlock trophies I didn't realize that trophy games were a thing on PS4 oh yeah like like games like this which are just designed specifically to to get you trophies because that's a thing on Steam where there'll be achievement games where you log in and you get 10 achievements and you press one button and you get 10 more achievements yeah. and you press oh, yeah. another button and you get no, 10 more it's, achievements. No, it's sort of like those people who are like crazy for frequent flyer miles and they'll book like incredibly short, but like, they'll book like weird the cheap- work out. Yeah, yeah, weird cheap tricks that, uh, that uh, for flights that will get them like 50,000 extra miles for, for very little money. Hmm. Trophy trophy hunters are the same. And if you need <laughs> a to lot know of are, any of those games, ask Greg Miller because he has yeah. all of those platinums. <laughs> I yep. think he has a, he got his thousandth platinum recently. I think uh, it's so. like, I think bodybuilders would call that dirty bulking. <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it counts, gets the trophy right? level up. Yeah, it counts. Uh, my trophy level is perilously low, but uh, that competition back then and my love of trophies inspired our next segment which is Trophy Test. Hooray! Uh, because Lucy couldn't join us for Trophy Test, I am going to give her an honorary point. Oh, trophy Test. That's good. So she gets that's, one. That's better than I might do at the start. Uh, so Trophy Test, for those who don't know, before we wrap up the show, uh, Trophy Test is every week I come up with a series of fake trophy names. Um, I will read for the contestants on the show the real trophy description and then give them a real and a fake trophy name. They have to tell me which is the real name of that trophy. I love this game so um, much. This is a joy for me to do every week, and I love to mess everyone up. But the fun part about Trophy Test is everyone is a winner in Trophy Test, so every week I will give a gold, a, pl- uh, a gold silver, and bronze trophy and at the end of the year we will give out the platinum for trophy test uh this week's trophies are until dawn related so i have for you one two three four five six until dawn trophies 
Yeah. Wow, it's getting violent. Yeah. Just like Until Dawn. Must <laughs> you save everyone. Anyway, moving on. These are the trophies. Tell me which one is real and which one is fake. Just tell me the real one. First trophy. Chris chose to shot Chris chose to shoot Ashley. Is that trophy called Fatal Grudge or Ashley Shoots? Fatal Grudge or Ashley Shoots? It's been a while since I've played Until Dawn. Have I'm you- going to go Fatal Grudge. Yeah, but that's it's not fun if I pick the same thing as you. Brian's locking eyes with me, and it really stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with Ashley shoots, even though it's the opposite of what the thing I think you just said was, which means I'm wrong. Well, but Brian, you're wrong. Yeah, it's it's fatal. Grunge. Yay! That was a thing I didn't think about when I was making these before coffee this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on from that, Ashley snapped and let Chris die. Is it can't snap out of it? Or Ashley snaps. Ashley snaps. Yeah, I'm gonna metagame this one and go with Ashley snaps. You're both correct. Yes. Wow. You All right. Uh, moving on from that one. All the girls. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Just so we can clarify that, did pre-coffee Jonathan try to mimic Ashley snaps, which is a real one, but making Ashley shoots? Yes. Yeah, so even even though Chris end? shoots so, Ashley. Yeah. So normally that I, that's how I trip people up very easily in the Amazing. first trip. Amazing. Well, I have I news for you, sir. I walked right into it. <laughs> <laughs> Great job. Moving on from that one. Uh, all the girls survived until dawn. Warriors of the Night or Four Daughters of Darkness? Warriors of the Night or Four Daughters of Darkness? Which is the real one? Uh, Warriors of the Night. I'm going to go Four Daughters. The correct answer is Four Daughters of Darkness. You made up Warriors of the Night? (laughs) Yeah. That's you're so weird. Yeah, <laughs> I, this is what I like. Very understated about you. You're a very weird dude. I love you. For yeah, that. that's very true. <laughs> um, all eight friends survived until dawn. It's the name of the this game. This one's just called not called until dawn. I'll be sad. Survive the night, or they all live. Is he looking at the answers over there? No, they're, they're he not can't listed. tell. I'm yeah, they're not it. listed. Survive the night, or, or they, they all, all live? live. Survive the night. You're saying survive the night? Yes. They all live is so dumb that it might be real, right? Yeah, like it's, it's really dumb. Grave, they haven't yeah. been so creative so far. Fine, Warriors I'm of the gonna, Night was I'm the best go, one in its fate. Final answers, I'm going to go survive the night also. Yes. You're both wrong. It's they all live. I knew it. It was one of those dumb answers. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, <laughs> going into these? The, going into the next one, uh, Tom, you have three points. Brian, you have one. Nobody survived until dawn. The name of the game. Is it this is the end or seeing red? This is the end or seeing red? This is the end. Yeah, I'm going with that too. You're both correct. Oh, thank goodness. This is you got to go different than me because then you'll lose points and I can I can tie. <laughs> but if team, but if I go I the win. same as you, it's mutually assured destruction and I win no matter what. It sucks. That's <laughs> <laughs> not. That's not why I was doing it though. Final one. Oh, All, I, ha- I can't win. Yeah, but. You're above Lucy, so that helps. She's not here. She had one point, though. You were tied. She got a participation trophy for leaving. (laughs) Final question. All the boys escaped death. Is it the quicker man? As some may know, the wicker man. Yeah. Or all the knight's men? I'm going to go all the knight's men. I'm going to go quicker man because the other, the, we already went the Warriors of the Night was not, Mm. not real, Mm. but I don't know. Brian, you're correct. The quicker man is correct. So I only lost by one point. You only lost by one point. The final score is Tom with four, Brian with three, and Lucy with one. Oh, for man. having reviewed Until Dawn, I believe. Nice. Does that mean I hold my lead? 
Tom, let's see where things rank. I'm going to check that. So please vamp for me. Because for some reason I was in the lead on this on this from the like the for the year. No, no we started over since 600 because yeah. okay. I lost the math. If someone out there has the math for me, I would greatly appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Um, please don't. If you have the math, don't. I'm winning. This is that's I not fair. I, I don't think I've only been on one episode since 600, and I didn't win it. Yeah, that's actually correct. I have to add you to this list. Hold on. See, I'm not even on the list. That's how bad I'm doing. <laughs> Give me one of those uh, Lucy O'Brien, you know, participation trophies. Put me on there. Give me the bonus point. Sure, why not? The, Let's do Mario Party rules for like I landed on the most green spaces. And <laughs> Wait, did you, he actually gave you a point. Yeah, I did. He, he asked. Fine. I didn't you don't say have to he do couldn't that. ask. You've been on vacation <laughs> and Gamescom. You're exactly. That's you had nice. some weeks you wouldn't have been able to. So I'm going to give it anyway. Uh, I hypothetically would have won. So, uh, <laughs> from the lowest on the list to highest number of points, currently it rests at Casey with one point, mm-hmm. Max with two, uh, JR, Brian, and Janet are all tied with three points, Lucy with four points, and in the lead, Tom with eight points. What? Eight? Eight points. That's what seat filling while everyone's at Gamescom <laughs> gets you. Wow. Tom, dirty bulking. <laughs> Tom, Tom's joined the show at the right time. When uh, anybody comes back from Gamescom vacation, I'm just going to tank. Just gonna yeah, your, your, yeah, your I Am Mayo trophies are going away. <laughs> I should do you got to fight for the real ones now. I should do I Am Mayo for next week. You can take um, you can take away my free point. I'll I'm not back. going to. You asked. I, okay, I'll take it away. You're going to remind me of yeah. it at the end of the year, though. I don't want, I don't want to get true. like a, some fake victory in December. <laughs> You're like, Brian wins, or does he? Because that's Mario Party rules, and I yeah, hate that. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, anyway, thank you both so much for playing Trophy Test and dealing with my uh, forgetting how to read a trophy and who shot who. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to this episode beyond uh, episode 604. When we are not on the show, of course, we are doing so much on IGN.com, YouTube.com, slash IGN, and all of our many social media portals. So please go to all those pages, read what we write, watch the videos we make. Uh, it helps all of us stay here and be able to do the show every week, which we sure. love doing so much. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Uh, in addition to finding us in all those places, Tom, where can people find you? Uh, I have an Instagram that posts exclusively pictures of of pies. It's called Bow Pies. Bow underscore pies. I don't, I don't follow that. You were mentioning that. I didn't know you were going to mention yeah, them. Yeah, I'm, so I'm mentioning that over Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian, as you look up Tom's Instagram oh. account, where can people find you? Um, I'm at Brian Altano on Instagram. I put up a ton of pictures from like travel that I just did there. So if you're into that, go check those out. And on Twitter, I'm at Agent Pizzle. And I am at JM Dornbush on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, before we leave, just want to also sincerely say thank you to everyone so much who, one, came out to uh, the PAX panel that IGN hosted that uh, I was a part of and helped put together. Uh, it was a huge blast to have everyone show up and to get you all to yell beyond. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, but thank you so much to everyone who came to that, who said hello around the show, who checked out anything we were doing there and in perpetuity check out what we do. It means so, so much to us that you do. So thank you for that. And thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Beyond.